give God praise and glory for all of his blessings, all of his kindness, all of his goodness, all the things we don't deserve. In my own, oh, we're good. All right, grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles, and turn with me to 1 Kings. 1 Kings, we're going to go back to Elijah again. And uh, we're going to talk about the subject that we've been dealing with. Uh, we know in the very first message that we dealt with, uh, we, we said that people get overwhelmed with the things of life, overwhelmed with the circumstance of life. We talked about that last week and what we can do about that. Today we're going to talk about another symptom that we deal with when we get greatly discouraged, even dealing with depression in a way, is the, the subject of loneliness. Loneliness, becoming lonely and having feelings of loneliness, overwhelmed with loneliness in our life. Uh, how many of y'all know that, that, that good people can get lonely? It's very, listen, it is a very great possibility. Elijah was the greatest prophet in the Old Testament, and he dealt with loneliness. So that's what we're going to try to cover today. And I, I will, again, say this. I'm not an expert. Uh, this is not my forte. This is not my gifting. Uh, we're just learning, and we're trying to do everything we can to educate and help people dealing with this struggle. And so as I learn, we'll learn together. Amen? And so today is going to be a little more teaching and a little more information than it will be preaching. So y'all pray for me and bear with me and listen fast because it's kind of like Smokey and the Bandit. we got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Amen? All right, here we go. First Kings chapter number 19. 1 Kings chapter number 19, in verse number 1, verse number 1. If you found your spot, say amen. amen. It says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Now, what, what was that? We know that Elijah called for a revival. He called for a meeting between all the false prophets and himself. Uh, we're going to have a contest. We're going to set up sacrifices. And, and if, if your God answers the prayer and consumes the sacrifice, and he's the real God, but if the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if he answers the sacrifice, then he's the real God. And y'all know what happened. We know that there, listen, the false gods could not do anything. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jehovah God, he sent fire, consumed the sacrifice, and they had revival. They cried out, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. They killed the 850 prophets there. And now, word has gotten back, and Ahab is telling Jezebel. And by the way, those prophets were Jezebel's. Y'all with me? Now watch what happens. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and wherewithal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying... Now think about this a minute. It dawned on me this morning in the first service. Uh, why didn't she send soldiers? To just go ahead and take him and deal with him. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. you got to understand something. The devil can't touch you without divine permission. Are y'all with me? But he will, thank you, he will send you a message. He cannot touch you without God's divine permission. We know that through the book of Job and, and with Job's situation. But how many of you know even though the devil can't touch you, he'll mess with you? He'll send threats and he'll send messages and he'll say, this is what I'm going to do and try to instill fear. And, and, and listen, it, this is what happens. The Bible says that they sent a message to Elijah saying, let the gods do to me and more also 
If I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. Number one, he, he, he made his first mistake. Right away, he stopped trusting God. Here he is, he faced down 850 prophets simultaneously, courageously, fearlessly. And now all of a sudden, he stops trusting God. Well, here we see. And he came to Beersheba, and he belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. Mistake number two. He isolated himself. Listen, when you're going through a difficult thing, and when you're going through a hard thing, the worst thing to do is isolate yourself. The Bible says he left his servant there, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came and sat under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Now, I want you to listen. I want you to go down to verse number 10. Verse number 10. And he said, I have been very jealous, because God asked him, What are you doing here? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with a sword. And I, even I only, am left. He said, I'm all by myself. There's nobody else. Look in verse 14. Once again, God asked him, what are you doing here? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with a sword. Now read it with me. And I, even I only, am, am left. Father, thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being in your house. Please help me help them. God, I pray in Jesus' name as we fight this plague, we fight this condition, this situation that, that we face a lot of times, that, Lord, incapacitates us and it causes us to think you don't care. I pray that as we deal with loneliness and the, the feeling of being alone. I pray, God, that your perfect will be done. Move in a great way. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to I read just a few things before we get into the message. Mother Teresa said this, The most terrible poverty is loneliness. Not, not being without material things, not being without money, not being without stuff. She said the most terrible poverty is loneliness and the feeling of being unloved. Pearl Buck, the 1938 Nobel Prize winner for literature, said this, The person who tries to live alone will not succeed as a human being. His heart withers if it does not answer another heart. His mind shrinks away if he hears only the echoes of his own thoughts and finds no other inspiration. Neuroscientist John Cassiopo said this, Human beings are instinctively social animals. It is natural for us to feel alone. And by the way, I don't think we're animals. Say, so, hey, man, I'm just, I'm just reading this. It is natural for us to feel, let's see, we're instinctively social beings. Hey, Amen. It is natural for us to feel alone or lonely when we are isolated from others. As a tribal species, our brains are designed to rely on social connections as a means to survive. In fact, in fact, this, this scientist who's made his career on studying loneliness, he says this, the absence of social connection triggers the same primal alarm bells as hunger, thirst, and physical pain. Amazing. The percentage of Americans who responded that they regularly and frequently felt lonely was between 11 and 20% in the 70s and 80s. 
The American Associated, uh, or excuse me, the American Association of Retired Persons did a national representative study in 2010 and found it was closer to 40 to 45 percent feeling lonely and feeling a sense of loneliness now here's the thing that was in 2010 i believe in 2017 is worse than that today and 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 people are struggling people and not only listen it's not just because of uh, 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 the loss of someone or of that nature. How many of y'all have seen in restaurants, maybe you've seen uh, in, in, in places, social places, social gatherings, or even in the living room, everybody is together, but we're like this. And we're losing connection. We are on the information superhighway, but we're getting less and less connected to real flesh and blood human beings and we're living in a virtual world we're living in a world that's made up we're living in a world that's make-believe do you know you can you can create a profile on facebook and be anything you want to be you can put anything on there you can be tall dark and handsome and and not be (laughs) are y'all with me and we put all of this out there and we create a world that doesn't exist And we get so used to living in that world and so used to living in that situation that when we find ourselves with other sure enough skin and blood, we don't know how to respond. Because it's the real us. Are y'all with me? Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to take just a few things today. And uh, and at the end, at the end, I'm going to give you a list of things that we can do to try to combat this feeling, okay? So number one, here's what I want you to do. Write this down. If you're taking notes, take these notes down. Number one, if, if we're going to deal with this and if we're going to conquer this situation in our life, first off, we have to remember, we have to remember the facts. Write that down. We have to remember the facts, and I use that word on purpose. How many of y'all know that facts are facts? There's no in-between. There's facts. There is fact and there is fiction. Fact is what's real. Amen? Fact is what's real, and, and we use that. And, and, and I'm going I'm to stress this word to you, especially in the beginning, and then I'm going to tell you why at the end of the message today, okay? We have to remember the facts. When we are becoming overwhelmed, when we are struggling with the feeling of loneliness and isolation, we have to remember the facts. You say, preacher, what is the facts? This is fact that you got to get right here, that loneliness is a state of mind. Loneliness is a state of mind. And and what do I mean by that? (laughs) Loneliness is a feeling, not a fact. Loneliness is a feeling. Say that with me. Loneliness is a a feeling and not a fact. And you say, what do you mean by that? Let me explain it this way. It is a state of mind. Loneliness and, and, and that feeling, it's a state of mind. What do you mean? You can be alone and not be lonely. You can be alone, totally alone, and not be lonely. My wife, my wife, she's 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 a different bird. I'm gonna just tell you that right now. Uh, she she can get all by herself, leave, and, and not just could, prefers to do this. Leave all the monkeys at home, including me. Don't get nobody, get in the car and go to the mall by herself or wherever by herself for years. 
and be just as happy as a fat baby in a phone booth. Say amen. I mean, just as, just as tickled pink and would prefer that, be by herself, she's doing her thing, and, and, and she hopes never to run into anybody. And, and, it's, and it's fine, and it's just, just fine, great. But do you know on the opposite side of that, you could be in a crowd of thousands of people and feel all alone. You could be in the middle of a room of your family members, the closest people to you. You can be laying in the bed beside your lover and feel totally alone. Why? Because it's a state of mind. It's not a state of condition. Sometimes a condition produces a state of mind. But it is a feeling. And you've got to get that. You've got to establish that in your heart. You've got to establish that in your mind. You've got to know that that is a fact. That feeling lonely or that loneliness is a feeling. Because if you don't get that, if you don't get that, the things you do to combat that will not work. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So, the first thing we got to do is establish groundwork here. We have to establish the fact that my loneliness is a feeling. It is a feeling. It is a state of mind. I can be with tons of people and be alone. I can be alone and be fine. All right? So this is the way this works. All right, number two, the second thing we have to do. Not only do we have to uh, remember the facts, but then, number two, we have to recognize the cause. We have to recognize the cause. Sometimes we need to identify. You say, preacher, let's just, let's just say what we need to do about it. Well, you can't always say what to do about it till you identify it. You don't go to the doctor. You don't go to the doctor, and the doctor, you know, most people say, I, I was at the doctor last night and, uh, at urgent care, and, 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 and you, what is, what's the first thing they always say? What seems to be the? They want you to describe. What are the symptoms? What are the issues? What are you dealing with? Uh, they they, they want to identify the cause. They don't just say, I didn't walk into that, that doctor's office last night, and that lady said, uh, uh, I'm going to give you two shots, and I'm going to give you some uh, medicine. She didn't do that. If she would have, I'd have said, whoa! Y'all with me? So what is causing this sometimes? What is the cause? Let's list a few. Let's listen. It's probably not all of them, but let's just list a few that we can deal with today. One of the things that, that causes loneliness and that feeling of loneliness is this. Sometimes it's painful circumstances. Painful circumstances. In other words, the loss of a spouse. The loss of a loved one. Uh, a move to a new area, a move to a new church, a move to a new school, something that is painful, something that is difficult to deal with. Here's the thing. When you are feeling lonely, it is because something has triggered a memory of that feeling. Not necessarily because you are, in fact, isolated and alone. The brain is designed to pay attention to pain and danger, and that includes painful, scary feelings. Therefore, loneliness gets our attention. How many of y'all would agree with that right there? But, but here's what happens. But then the brain tries to make sense of the feeling. Our brain tries to make sense of what, what the feeling and what, what's going on. So the brain goes into overdrive. The brain starts saying, why am I feeling this way? Is it because nobody loves me? Is it because I'm a loser? Is it because everybody's mean and everybody's a snob? So what happens is, our theories about why we're feeling this way, our theories about being and feeling lonely can become confused with the facts. 
for instance, let me, let, me, let, me, let me explain it this way. How many of y'all know that your brain usually goes into overtime most of the time? For instance, for instance, let's just say, let's just say a, a snake come out of this quiet. And by the way, we are not a snake handling church. Say amen. It is Temple Baptist Church, the snake killing church. Say amen. A snake comes out from this choir and it slithers down here. And, and, and what, what's going to happen? How many of y'all have ever heard of Mississippi squirrel? This is a Coleman cobra. Say amen right there. It could be a rat snake. It could be a king snake. This is an old black snake that's harmless and is more scared of you than we are of that. It don't matter what the snake is. When it comes down here, there's going to be chairs flying and no doors made in the back. You know why? Because your brain says, snake! Your brain don't know. Now, most people, there's a little weird people in here. You know, I'm, there's, there's weird people. That say, a snake, how lovely. That's weird, people. <laughs> and by the way, that will catch up with you. Normal people will say, snake, get away. And our brain goes to telling us, this is a cobra, man. It will kill you. And it may not. But our brain is... And so what happens when something triggers in our mind? Maybe something happens. Maybe somebody says, I can't meet with you this week, or, or, or I, can't, I can't go out. We, we, we feel that rejection. We feel a sense. And all of a sudden, our brain starts trying to register that feeling. And our brain tries to start, goes into overtime, trying to figure out why we're feeling this way. And your brain starts telling you, everybody hates you. Nobody likes you. You're a loser. Everybody's a snob. Everybody's me. Does this make sense? And your brain goes into overdrive. And what happens is facts and feelings get all jumbled up. And I don't know about you, but sometimes our feelings have a tendency to outweigh the facts. Y'all with me? A painful situation, something that takes place, okay? Not only that, not only that, not only a painful circumstance, but here's the second thing. Write this down. Sometimes, sometimes poor choices poor choices will create loneliness you see what was what was a painful circumstance I, I elijah was threatened with his life said i'm going to kill you that's painful that's a struggle now all of a sudden he's thinking things he shouldn't be thinking all right the second thing is poor choices first he ran and didn't trust god secondly he left support he left his servant there he isolated himself Sometimes we create our own atmosphere that, that con, is conducive to loneliness. Does the Bible not say, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together? In other words, don't lay out of church. Don't lay out of church. You need to be in a small group. You need to be in a place where you can feel cared and feel loved. And you say, oh, preacher, I've been to those places, and sometimes that don't happen. Sometimes it doesn't. But listen, give it a chance. Give it a chance. Don't lay out. You need encouragement. You need exhortation. Don't isolate yourself. Don't stay away from places. And, and, and let me say this. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know when you're discouraged, when you're depressed, that's the last thing you want to do. The last thing you want to do is get around people. The last thing you want to do is be around people. But I'm telling you, don't make that decision. Even if you don't want to, do it. Even if you don't feel like it, 
Do it. Even if, listen, it's the hardest thing in the world, do it anyway till you can do it because you want to. Poor choices. Listen, sometimes it's, it's, it's painful circumstances. Sometimes it's poor choices. Sometimes the feeling of loneliness is created. Now watch this. Some of y'all going to get upset at this, but I'm going to just lay it out there and put it out there right on the table so we can all get it. Sometimes it's personality clashes. Sometimes you're lonely because you're a jerk. I don't know how else to say it. I'm just telling you. I tell you what, I, nobody, they just don't understand me. No, they understand that you're a jerk. And you talk down to people, and you treat each other people like, like trash. Sooner or later, you're going to be alone. Because nobody likes to hang with people like that. And I'm, I'll be biblical. I'll be biblical. I know some of y'all are having a hard time with this point. I'm just going to tell you. The Bible says a man that has friends must show himself friendly. Friendly. I don't know why nobody hangs around me. Look in the mirror. improve your disposition smile every now and then be nice be kind and don't even come at me with this don't even come at me with this right here well that's just the way i am and that's just it change now listen i'm gonna say this and i'm gonna be i'm gonna try to be as honest but as straightforward as i can be here's the thing Anybody can change. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long. All this thing, a spot can't, or a leopard can't lose its spots or change its spots. You're not a leopard. You're not a zebra. You are a human being who has the Spirit of God in you, and you are a new creature in Christ, and you can say, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, and that includes getting a personality. You can change. And don't and say, well, I, it's just people need to accept me like I am. This is just the way I am. That's fine. That's fine. No problem. No problem. If that's the way you are, that's the way you want to be, you're not going to make an effort to change, then don't whine about being lonely. Amen. Preach it, Rev. Go ahead right there, son. Shut the corn. Drop the plow. Just dig right. Just come right on through with it. Amen. I'll bring my own shout this morning. <laughs> Listen, I'm just telling you what everybody else is thinking, and they're afraid to tell you. Why don't you swallow your pride a little bit and understand, you might not be too likable. It might not be that everybody's a snob and everybody's a jerk. and nobody, It might be you. How many <laughs> I'm going to need a bodyguard before I get out of here today. Amen. I can tell that already. I can see the looks in your eyes. They, there was this poor homeless fellow that was sitting on the, on the bench in the park. <clears throat> and there was some mischievous boys that snuck up on him. One of them probably named Little Johnny. Say amen. And they took that, that Limburger cheese. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? That, that cheese that smells like a skunk. Amen. They took that cheese and just, just rubbed it all in his mustache and beard. And they, yeah, oh, no, it's terrible. And, 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 and the poor fella, he woke up, and he said, my goodness gracious. He said, this park stinks. So he got up from the park, and he went down the street, and he went down uh, 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 to the, where, the, where the, the circle was in the, in the middle of the city and sat down on a bench, and 
He said, my goodness, this, this middle of the circle stinks. So he went down a back alleyway behind the restaurant where he always went, and he went in there. He said, man, it stinks here too. The whole world stinks. And who was it that was stinking? It was him. Some of y'all ain't even got it yet. It just might not be everybody else. Y'all with me? Why don't we move to the next point? Amen. Personality clashes. Poor choices. Sometimes, sometimes painful circumstances. Then, then look at this one. Look at this one. Sometimes, sometimes it's past conduct. Sometimes it's past conduct. And what do I mean by that? Uh, sometimes your past behavior is harder to get over with with some people. Now let me say this, because I know what you're thinking. Bless God, uh, you know, they ought to forgive and forget. Sometimes forgetting is harder than forgiving. It's just, it just is what it is. Now here's the thing. Let's go back to the Bible. How many of y'all remember a guy by the name of Apostle Paul? Raise your hand. Anybody in the balcony, y'all remember him? Apostle Paul? You know that real cool guy, that church planner, and, and probably the greatest missionary there ever was, and one of the greatest preachers, and he started all the churches, wrote all those scriptures in the Bible. He did all that. Do you know what? Right after he first got saved, nobody wanted to hang with him. Matter of fact, when he presented himself to the church, uh, they said, whoa, he's the one that's been killing us. He's the one that's been persecuting us. He's the one that's been dragging us to jail and prison. I'll tell you what, it took them a little while to get over his past conduct. And this is what I want you to get from this. I, I know everybody should be forgiven. There's no, there's no person on this planet that knows that more than me. Everybody should be forgiven, and everybody should overlook our past. They should, period. When God saves us, he forgives us. He doesn't hold anything against us. Say Amen. But here's what I want you to remember. Give some people some time. Give people time. You say, what happened with Paul? Paul changed. And, and, and they witnessed Paul's change. And they followed Paul's change. And they saw that he was changed. Are y'all with me? So don't get upset and don't get frustrated if people can still, and, and your past is still fresh in their mind. Don't sweat it. Go with God, trust God, change your life, serve God, and people will see a change in your life, and that will change their behavior around you. But be patient. Be patient. Are you all with me? Now, thirdly, thirdly, <clears throat> we'll go over our list in just a minute, but here's the, here's the next thing I want you to get. What was number one? Remind me. What was number one? We got to, everybody say it. We got to remember the, all right. Then number two, we have to, we got to recognize the cause. Some of these things, what's causing us to be alone? What's causing us to feel isolated? What's causing us to feel uh, this feeling of loneliness? Number three, when that does happen, for whatever reason, it does not matter the reason, when that does happen, when those feelings overtake us, when those feelings come on and we're struggling and we're fighting with that, the third thing we need to do, write this down, it has to do with the truth. We have to rehearse the truth. We have to rehearse the truth. Now, what's it mean to rehearse? Somebody tell me. What's it mean to rehearse? It means to practice. It means to go over it, over it, 
over it. When you rehearse a song, you sing it and you sing it and you sing it. I've watched Miss Cindy in here with a sign team and making them go over something. She'll stop the whole thing and say, hey, that one part, go over that, go over that, go over that. Why? Sometimes you've got to rehearse it to get it. Sometimes you don't get it right away. Sometimes, listen, you can hear it. How many of y'all have heard a truth, but then it was still hard to believe? You come in here and you heard something out of God's Word. You heard something. The preacher said this. Hey, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when, you, when you've, you've messed up in your life and I say, hey, God's forgiven you, you can hear it, but sometimes it's hard to feel it. So what do you do? You rehearse it. You rehearse it. When it's not natural, you rehearse it. When it doesn't come easy, you rehearse it. When you don't get it right away, you rehearse it over and over and over again until your facts Listen, overcome your feelings. Say amen. you got to rehearse it. If, if loneliness is a feeling, if loneliness is a feeling, then we need to attack it with facts. All right, what's the facts? What's the facts? What do we need to rehearse? What do we need to tell ourselves over and over again? Two things. We need to rehearse facts about two things. First, the facts about feelings. The facts about, write that down, the facts about feelings. You say, preacher, what is the facts about feelings? Two things. Two things underneath that I want you to write. What about your feelings do you need to tell yourself over and over and over and over and over again? What about your feelings do you need to rehearse and remind yourself when you're feeling isolated, when you're feeling alone, when it's overcoming you? What do you need to tell yourself about your feelings? Here's the thing. A, my feelings can be wrong. Everybody say it. My feelings can be wrong. I can be wrong about this. When your brain has gone into overdrive and you're feeling alone and your brain is telling you nobody cares and your brain is telling me you have no friends, your brain is telling you everybody's a jerk, everybody's a snob, you'll never get over this, you'll always be this way, you need to say, I could be wrong about this. I could be, my feelings can be wrong. How many of y'all have felt something and was wrong about it? Oh, come, 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 people, come. Tell me. Get honest with me just a minute. How many of you felt something but was wrong about it? Amen. You got to tell yourself, man, I could be feeling, I, I might be overreacting here. I know we don't never like to admit that. Now, husbands, listen. <clears throat> never tell your wife she's overreacting. <clears throat> this needs to be a self-revelation. Are you all with me? Because telling your wife she's overreacting is kind of like baptizing a cat. <laughs> and all the men said, this is, this is something you've got to come to yourself. Men, you can't do that. Listen, and, and even at friends, sometimes friends, you've got you to go into that easy. But if you are, you're, and I'm talking to individuals now, your own fight, your own battle, you've got to tell yourself, I could be wrong about this. I know the devil's telling the church don't care and they won't do this or they won't do that or my friends don't care or all this kind of stuff. And, and man, you, I've done this. I'm telling you, I've done this. I've been in a church full of people who shouted it down and said amen and said how much it meant to them. Johnny Lawrence hugged me at the door, going out the door, gave me a big old bear hug and said how much he loved me and cared for me and sent me out the door and I felt like I was the only person on the planet. What I was going through and what I was dealing with at the time, the stress and everything else, I got in my truck almost in tears on the way home, leaving this big crowd of people who care about me and love me and are praying for me, and I felt like I was all by myself. 
You know what I have to do at that time? I could be wrong about this. Let me prove it. How many of y'all care about me? See? I was wrong. I was wrong. But you gotta, you got to tell yourself till you believe it. You have to rehearse it over and over and over and over and over and over. You remember when we started this whole series, what we learned about the devil? He's a thief and a murderer and a... So you got to keep rehearsing the truth. you got to keep rehearsing the facts. My feelings can be wrong. Second thing about your feelings, you need to rehearse. Your feelings can change. Your feelings can change. What do I mean by that? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. You need to understand what you're feeling right now can be different. Because the devil's going to tell you it's always going to be like this. You're always going to feel like this. You're never going to get over this. And that's wrong. That's a lie. Your feelings can change. I, <laughs> I, had, a couple, <clears throat> I had a couple in my office uh, for marriage counseling, pre, premarital counseling. They hadn't gotten married. They're just like all over each other, which is nauseating, say, man. I mean, I'm just talking about, I mean, there's one thing about being in love and being, being all that, but I mean, there's just like ridiculous with it. Just all it is. Oh, come on, man. I don't even like to see that in married people, much less dating people. Just crazy, just sitting all in my office. And I, I, was, trying to, I was trying to tell them and teach them, listen, guys, it's not always going to be this way. There's going to be times y'all not going to be able to get along. And this is what he said. I laughed so hard. He said, I just, I just don't understand that, preacher. I just don't understand that. But it's the, I, how could somebody, how could they not get it? Uh, I thought, oh, boy. <laughs> About six months after they got married, I saw the old boy in church. He was coming down the aisle, and I looked at him, and he looked at me, and I instantly knew. I said, how you doing, son? He said, it's just rough preaching because I, I said, I don't even want to hear it, son. <laughs> I want to say, I told you. Feelings change. Feelings change. How many times have people stood right here and said, till death do us part, I love you, I'm going to put everybody else aside, it's all you and nobody but you, and I love you, and I'm all this, and I'm just all in, and da 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 and the next time you see them, they're in a judge's room wanting to kill each other. Because feelings change. And feelings can change. That's why you never depend on your feelings. Your feelings will cause you to do stupid things. I know some people don't like your word, you stupid, but stupid's a good word right there. Loneliness will cause you to do something you definitely shouldn't do. It'll cause you to marry people you shouldn't marry. It'll cause you to leave things and do things you shouldn't do. It's a, it's a powerful feeling. I'm telling you, loneliness is powerful, but it's a feeling. And you need to rehearse over and over and over again and tell yourself, it's just a feeling. Your feeling can be wrong. And thank God in heaven, it can be changed. 
Church, say amen. amen. Second, second thing you need, to, you need to understand. You need to rehearse the truth about not only your feelings, but I love this, and we're almost done. Y'all don't check out on me yet. I'm almost done. You need to rehearse the truth about your Father. And when I say Father, I'm talking about in heaven. Let me read, let me read a few verses to you. When we're feeling alone, we need to go over to Psalm 139 and read this. When we feel like we're all by ourselves, we need to read this over and over and over till we get it. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. If, if He can do that, He's paying attention to you. Say amen. Thou compasseth, that means your, your presence surrounds. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before. In other words, if I back up, there you are. If I go forward, there you are. And lay thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot attain unto it. Whether shall I go from thy spirit? Or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you today, under the authority of the Word of God, when the devil tells you you're alone, when the devil tells you nobody cares, when the devil tells you there's nobody there, you need to stand up and say, My Bible tells me that you're a liar. My Bible tells me that there's nowhere on this planet that I can go that my Father is not with me every step of the way. If I back up, there He is. If I go forward, there He is. No matter what, I am never, I am never, I am never, I am never alone. The devil is a liar. I'll always have him with me. He'll always be by my side. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He said he will never leave me nor forsake me. It doesn't matter how you feel because your feelings can be wrong. There is a God who loves you and cares about you and he knows your needs. Say amen. That's good stuff right there. He is everywhere. He is always there. He is before you. He's in front of you. He's around you. He'll be there before you ever get there. Say amen. amen. And let me say this too. This dawned on me this morning. Man, I about had a fit. <clears throat> I know what some of you are thinking. <clears throat> I know what some of you are thinking today. Does he know how I feel? Let's take, let's take out the fact that he's God and he knows everything. Okay, let's, take, let's just take that off the table. Let's go a minute into the Garden of Gethsemane. Let's go to the time that he was the, in the darkest hour of his life. And he's under such extreme pressure and such extreme stress that his sweat becomes as great drops of blood. And he's saying, pray with me. He took the closest friends that he had, Peter, James, and John, and says, watch with me and pray with me. He's feeling crushed under his circumstances. He's feeling the pressure of all that's fixing to take place. He said, pray with me. And he goes and he turns around, and when he needed them the most, they were asleep on him. They come and they arrest Jesus out of the garden. 
and they take him into custody. And the Bible said they all fled and forsook the Lord. And you ask, does he know how you feel? He's hanging on a cross. His body's been butchered. His body's been brutalized. He's been beat with rods and a crown of thorns driven into his skull. He's bleeding from every part of his body. He's got spit dripping off of him where the, where the world and the wicked crowd spit upon him and mocked him. He's hanging naked before God in this whole world. And there comes a moment that he cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You see, a holy God had to turn his back because of the sin that was upon his son, the sin that he did not commit, the sin that he did not do, the sin of my sin and your sin was placed upon him, and God the Father had to turn his back, and Jesus felt isolated and alone on the cross, and he said, Why hast thou forsaken me? I'm here to tell you today, he knows how you feel. He knows how you feel. And that's why he said, I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. And all God's people said, how many of you are glad we got a great God? We got a great Savior. Yeah, give him praise. Give him glory. Now listen, let's, let's just take a couple practical things we can do. You say, preacher, all that's good and that's spiritual stuff, but what about practicality? Here's some practical things we can do, okay? First off, if you're you're writing this down, I didn't give this to them guys, so this will be just something you have to write on the side. First off, we need to make a plan. When we struggle with this constantly, we need to make a plan. There are two basic types of loneliness. Acute loneliness, which results from losing a loved one or moving to a new place, for example. In these situations, chances are, that you know at some level that you'll have to go through a period of adjustment to get through the feelings of loneliness. The other type of loneliness is the chronic subjective type, which strikes despite your existing relationships. But both require a plan of action. One strategy is making a point to meet people who have similar interests, volunteering, exploring a hobby, or both great ways to meet kindred spirits. Here's the thing that I'm seeing over and over again. When I'm, when I'm uh, counseling and consulting people, uh, one of the things that I ask them, I said, what do you do for a hobby? What, what do you do for a hobby? Something that you enjoy doing. Not necessarily because you got trying to make a living. I'm talking about just something because you like it. You enjoy doing it. Do you know that about 90% of the people, 90, 95% of the people, they, this is what they tell me, nothing. I go to work and I come home. I go to work and I come home. I go to work and I come home. Have absolutely nothing that they enjoy doing. Now, here's the thing. You say, preacher, I can't afford nothing. Here's what I want you to do. Google it. Type in hobbies. Hobbies. Type in this. Cheap hobbies. Don't make an excuse. Do something. You got to do something you enjoy. One of the, one of the, in one of the classes that, that we took in, in, in Bible college, he, he was talking about funerals. And Dr. Brown told us and, and, and stressed it. He said there's four major, four major uh, uh, funeral homes around the Augusta area. And he said he has a favorite place 
that's wherever he's close to. One place is a Dairy Queen. One place is a Krispy Kreme donut. The other place, I can't remember what the others were, but there was something that he enjoyed doing. He said as soon as the funeral would be over, he would immediately go and do something he enjoyed. He said you have to get back to the land of the living right away. The point is this, you have to have something in your life to take the stress off, to take your mind off what you're doing. You've got to find something you enjoy. And let me say this, you can. You can. All right, make a plan, do something, anything. In depression treatment, there's a theory called behavioral activation, which is a clinical way of saying just do it. If you're feeling lonely and want to change it, any small step you take, even striking up a casual, friendly conversation with a person at the cafe is a good move. Small step. How many of y'all have ever seen What About Bob? That's the problem, people, right there. That's your homework. You got to go watch What About Bob. Amen. Bill Murray's in it, and he said, and the, and the whole thing, the, the, the funny deal is baby steps. Say that with me. Say it again. Say it again. Let's take baby steps. Don't try to conquer this all. Baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. Yeah, go watch the movie. Say amen. All right. Make a plan. Do something. Here's the third one. Bond with a dog. Get a dog. If you're a cat person, repent of your sins and get a dog. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not a cat person. Amen. I'm a dog. I got something to show you. Look. Everybody say, hey, Caesar. That is Crooked Creek Caesar Augustus. <laughs> Do y'all see the smile on the face? That's my man right there. Tammy's not real fond of him right now because he's barking outside the window. <clears throat> but he's just saying, hey, Daddy, I'm up. Won't you come pet me? Amen. That's all he's saying. This is, I, this is, this is real. I'm not making this up. This is clinical. Watch this. Pets, especially dogs, are protective against loneliness. There are many reasons why this strategy works. Dogs get you out and about. They're naturally social creatures, and you'll have a living being, excuse me, you'll have a living being to care about. If you're not in a position to own a dog, find a way to help care for other people's dogs or volunteer to help dogs at a shelter uh, that need loving attention. Just needs your time. If you don't have a dog to take care of, I can give you a feeding schedule for Floozy and Caesar. I'll help you out right there. Amen? But get a pet. That's, a, that's an option. They, they also said about, uh, you know, fish and, and birds too, but, you know, whatever. Uh, find something to spend your time with. Amen. I got to hurry. Him, him. Number four. Number four. And this, is, this, is, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Have realistic standards. Have realistic standards. Loneliness is a mismatch between your ideal and what you actually have. Part of the solution may be to accept that you can have fun and light conversation with a variety of people and that it's okay if they don't become lifelong confidants. Also, reflect on whether you have any unrealistic standards that are making it hard to connect with others and stop feeling lonely such as expecting too much from a new friendship too quickly or relying on another person too much. Here's one thing I found out about sure enough friendships. You can have a lot of acquaintances and, and friendly acquaintances, 
But the, the, the kind of friendships that you're looking for that, that you know, sometimes we get bent out of shape because we don't have, they take a long time. They take a long time. Sometimes we're expecting too much too soon. Have realistic standards. Are y'all with me? Say amen. All right, here's another one. Here's another one. Think beyond yourself. And that's hard to do sometimes when you're depressed. Think beyond yourself. Depression can make you feel very self-focused, meaning that everything is all about you. But remind yourself that if you ask a coworker to join you for lunch and the person can't make it, you shouldn't automatically assume that he or she has rejected you. The person might have a previous lunch date or too much to leave on his or her desk, okay? Think beyond yourself. Uh, here's a good one. Reach out to a lonely person. Reach out to a lonely person. Whether you are feeling lonely now or just know how it feels, you may get an emotional boost from befriending someone else who is lonely. Some people may view loneliness as contagious, and therefore lonely people often become even more isolated. Examples can include volunteering for an organization that helps elderly people or visiting uh, a neighbor who's lost a spouse. Let me tell you something. We was at the, we was at the nursing home Friday. We went and seen Pop Pool Friday and, and uh, just spent some time with him, and, and, and he was just delirious that we were there. Not only him, but the gentleman in the bed beside him was just so excited somebody was there to say, hey, you didn't have to do anything significant. You didn't have to do anything magnificent. You didn't have to go out. All you had to be there is say, hey, and it made their day. Not only that, it made my day. Are you all with me? Dr. Carl Miniger. <clears throat> Dr. Carl Miniger. This is what he said. He was asked at a, at a conference. He said, what would you advise a person to do if that person felt a nervous breakdown coming on? Most people in the conference thought he would say, go see a psychiatrist immediately, but that's not what he said. This was his response. He said, much to everyone's astonishment, Dr. Carl Miniger replied, lock up your house, go across the railroad tracks, find somebody in need, and help that person. To overcome discouragement, he said, don't focus on yourself, get involved in the lives of other people. That's what he said. Now, here's the thing. I promise you this. There is no lack of hurting people. There is no, there's all kind of hurting people out there. It's not because we can't find them. They there, amen? They there, all right? Let me, just a couple more. Here's, here's one. Call, y'all with me? Call, don't post. But preacher, I, 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 I said something on Facebook. Number one, everybody ain't on Facebook. Are y'all with me? Number two, even if you did, they may not have saw it. Y'all with me? Call them. Even better, go in person. Go in person. Make that visit. Make that. How many of y'all, and I'm done, I know y'all getting bored with me right now, but listen, I'm almost finished. Please, bear with me. Please, bear with me on this. How many of you have, have been sitting at home and you had a thought, I need to call so-and-so? Then do it. I'm not, I'm not going to go into detail, but, but there's been times that I got that feeling. 
and I, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, and I got to, you know, I, I'm going to get around to it. And the longer I put it off, the worse it got because it made that person think I didn't care, and I did care. And there have been times that I got a phone call and said they passed away. And I cannot tell you how horrible that feeling is to know that God tried to nudge you to give them a call and you didn't do it in time. And all God's people say it. Here's, 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 here's the last one. Make time for relationships. Make time for relationships. It says everyone is busy. Say that with me. Everyone is Everybody say it. Everyone's busy. But relationships won't wait until you finish your Ph.D., raise your kids, snag the next big promotion, move to the ideal, excuse me, the ideal city. It says build them now. Not one single person on their deathbed wished they'd worked just a few more hours. Everybody says, I wish I had a little more time with my friends and my family. Amen? Lastly, take this home with you. Whatever you do, be persistent. Say that with me. Be, everybody say it. Be, if the first friend you try to make is not a good one, find another one. Don't stop. If the first situation didn't work out, be persistent. If the first life group you joined didn't work out, find another one. Nobody's married to a life group. Find one. Try them out till you fit. Try them out till it works. Don't quit. Be persistent. If the first hobby you try doesn't work, then try another one. If, 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 if fishing's not your thing, try hunting. If hunting's not your thing, try basket weaving. Whatever it is, try it. Don't stop. Be persistent. Listen, ultimately, guys, ultimately, everybody listen. This is my last thing I'm going to say. I know I've closed like four times already, but I'm telling you, this is it right here. You are ultimately in control. You. You. Not your friends. Not the social media. Not the church. You. You are ultimately in control of this. Let's take control. See, I'm not going this way. I'm not going to let my feelings outweigh the facts of what's real and what's right. And all God's people say it. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father in Jesus.